the Lowest Ass Podcast, Episode 6. Today is just a solo podcast for myself, so it's going to be fairly quick, but we have so much to talk about today, including a changing NFT market, uh, huge NBA Top Shot news, and uh, I'm going to tell you what I bought today, actually. But we're going to kick it off today for the weekly rundown to start the day. Uh, we're going to start with some NFT news. Um, as many people noticed, we saw enormous gains for uh, many of the blue chip NFTs that we've seen, such as the Bored Apes or the Cool Cats or the Doodles and Mutants and Kongs. Some of Twitter and some of the, the Discord groups that I'm in, for example, are kind of flustered as to whether or not this is just a blip in the market before some sort of winter or if this is actually a change of sentiment. Um, and I think that this week we'll see a large number of people either change their mind about whether or not that this is a change in sentiment, or I think we actually will see some some growth within within the Twitterverse talking about how this may be the next step towards the Web3 movement. Um, and we actually have an NFT project to talk about today as well within the rundown. That's the RTFKT project. Um, it's noted this week because legendary artist Takashi Murakami is partnering with their Metaverse Clones project. Um, it'll have 20,000 generated avatars, and he'll actually have some of his own art on there. Uh, so if you haven't yet, make sure to check that project out. It doesn't have a, a launch date yet, but it should be coming out soon. Uh, pivoting to some NBA news, uh, Clay Thompson is eligible to practice in full five-on-five this week. Um, so if you're watching Warriors practice regularly, you'll see Clay Thompson in all of the drills this week. We should, should see him back on the court fairly soon. Um, Alvin Gentry actually just took over the head coaching position in the interim uh, because Luke Walton was fired as the head coach today for the Sacramento Kings. Um, the Kings have started just awfully this year. Um, they've looked completely out of sorts and they were looking for a much improved season this year. So it's no surprise. We actually have a segment later discussing some fan questions and somebody actually asked who the first coach uh, would be fired. And there's your answer. It's uh, Luke Walton. Uh, and the last piece of NBA news is that unvaccinated players will not be allowed to travel to Toronto to play the Raptors in January. In NBA Top Shot news, however... Uh, we have huge news this week we're going to talk about throughout this podcast. The first piece of news is the Series 3 Base Pack Drop 3. Um, it was announced earlier this weekend, and we'll see it come on Tuesday, November 23rd at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, within that pack, there will be three base common moments and at $9 a pack. Um, the primary rookie you'll see in those packs is the Scotty Barnes four-badge debut moment. Um, and then there's also stars such as Trey, Dame, and Draymond, as well as a 99.99 minted Bam and Ja Morant moment. Uh, there will be 240,000 total packs uh, for collectors to grab, um, and collectors can grab them in groups of five. Uh, you can buy five to start, and then you can rejoin the queue, and if you make it back around, you can buy another five for a total of ten. Um, and there was Roham's office hours this week as well, which caused an enormous ruckus on Twitter with a number of different uh, different notes that he made and uh, made a lot of people bullish on Twitter. Uh, one of those things be being that he announced that Flash Challenges, they're planning on doing several challenges a week, including multiple Flash Challenges. Um, so we're expecting that to become a regular occurrence throughout the season. 
Um, and it was also announced that sets, team sets, and airdrops will be a huge feature for Series 3. Now moving on to our first major topic after the weekly rundown, that is another NBA Top Shot topic. And that is the NBA Top Shot Reserve Series 1 packs that are scheduled to be released on Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. It's just 500 packs, um, but it's going to cost you 350 trade-in tickets. So it is a large price to pay for a single pack, of course, since most trade tickets are 2 to $4 generally. A lot of people buy them at $3. Um, and so at 350 tickets, you're looking at a $1,050 price tag uh, for a pack that will feature four total moments. Uh, three of which will be minted between $12.40 and $39.99, and one that will be minted at $1,000 guaranteed. Now, I do have some thoughts on these particular packs. Uh, the first note I want to make is that this is just the first 500 packs that are going to be released out of 10,425 total over the next 18 months. So if you can't line up for this one because you don't have the 350 tickets yet, uh, you shouldn't worry too much because at that rate you have dozens of more drops over the next year and a half uh, to be able to line up for. So you do still have a, a big shot. And even if you do have the 350 tickets and you're not one of the lucky 500 that gets to purchase, uh, you will have plenty more chances. Um, in terms of my personal opinion on these, I actually am one of the few, it seems, that is open to the prospect of, of trying to acquire 350 total tickets for these packs. Um, when you look at the eligible 1,000 mints, in this pack, there are some really, really notable moments in here. We're talking uh, two different LeBron 1000 minted moments, uh, both a block and a dunk. The dunk being currently listed at $12,000 as the lowest ask. Uh, you also have stars like Kawhi, Giannis, Harden, Steph, uh, Russ, Ja, and Kyrie Irving all in those packs as well. But that doesn't mean that this is a guaranteed uh, positive pack for everybody that rips it. There's also in that 1,000 uh, minted eligible moments a Langston Galloway. There's also a Danilo Gallinari. There's also a Gary Harris. So if you were to pull one of those guys and pull some small debuts with the 3999s, it's entirely possible that this pack could be a big minus for you. That being said, the actual expected value of these packs is nearly certain that it will be above that $1,000 price tag. Um, so if you were to buy moments under $3, any of those traded in, if you, if you could get all 350 tickets for under that $3 price tag, then this is a definite go in my opinion. Um, and that's what I'm going to be trying to do myself. Um, I'm going to be looking to try to acquire those 350 tickets. If I don't, uh, there will be more drops of these, and I'm not particularly concerned about it, about making the first one in particular. We're still waiting on the pack list, so we don't know the distribution of the packs. We don't know the exact moments that are going to be in there. Um, but if those moments of those stars are in those packs, there certainly will be people lining up to acquire them. We interrupt today's podcast with a message from our featured sponsor today, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the games. 
Choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup each day. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the total prize pool. Thrive has over $100,000 guaranteed in prizes for each week and has awarded over $6 million to date. Thrive's featured $40,000 guaranteed contest for Sunday is $20 to enter and first place takes home $10,000. Use promo code TLAPOD when you sign up today and you'll receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. 100% match. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Now back to the podcast. Moving on to the second discussion point of this week, um, we wanted to kind of discuss the NBA's first month. Um, And I'm going to do a little segment that I call Real or Fake. Uh, So I actually reached out on Twitter to various people asking... Um, what's a question that you have about the, the NBA after the first month? Um, and is it something that I could answer for you? And so we have a, a handful of different fan questions. Uh, the first of which I alluded to was the Luke Walton question about whether or not he would be the first coach fired. Uh, of course, that's been answered, and the, the answer is yes. And that's not a particular surprise. The Kings have had a very, very difficult start to the season. It hasn't turned the way... Uh, they were intending to and they really have just looked at a sorts and then they lost to the Raptors recently and they lost the game after as well and it's it's looked very poor from their side and so it's it's comes as no shock that Luke Walton's very minus record has been let go from the team Um, and Alvin Gentry will be taking his position I believe it's his fifth or sixth head coaching gig within the league so he's been around a long time he recently coached the New Orleans Pelicans, but was fired from there as well. So we're going to start with the first question here, though, now that we've moved past that uh, pre-answered question. And the first question is, will Shea Gilgis-Alexander be an all-star this season? And now there's a few different ways that someone could tackle this question. And for me, it's looking at the competition that he would have to be able to jump to be able to get into that, into that all-star tier. Now, I have a list of players here, and it's very difficult to see a scenario in which SGA is going to come out on top and end up in the all-star conversation. Now, the reason I mention that is we have a few nearly shoe-in all-star players within the West um, that are going to be very difficult to take their spot. That's Luca, that's Steph, um, that's John Morant, and even Chris Paul, barring an injury or something like that. Um, will likely be a shoe-in, whether it's a Lifetime Achievement Award or whether it's the fact that he is once again leading the league in assists at 37 years old or 36 years old. The guy can still play, and the Suns are on a tear right now. I don't see a scenario in which Chris Paul is not playing in the All-Star game. So that's four spots taken up already. Um, then Then you have guys like Devin Booker who has a very similar stat line to SGA. Now, SGA is averaging 21 points a game. Devin Booker is averaging 23. Uh, Devin Booker is averaging six rebounds, whereas SGA is averaging five, for example. And the same goes within the rest of the stat lines. Yes, SGA has more assists, um, but he's also playing on a far worse team. And many of the times, coaches and players look down upon players that are on poor teams when it comes to the all-star vote 
And it's not as if OKC has enough of a base to be able to push SGA into that place just on the fan vote alone. So he'd be looking at trying to dethrone guys like Booker or guys like Damian Lillard or Donovan Mitchell. Um, and then even guys like Russell Westbrook, for example, who again is having a terrible season to start with. However, he plays in the biggest market in the West. He plays on one of the fan favorite markets in the West, of course. And he does have a Showtime style of basketball that he plays that fans seem to love. And then SGA is also fighting for a new position that there's some other players that are also going to look to take that position. That's someone like De'Aaron Fox, someone like DeJounte Murray, someone like Anthony Edwards. Um, All of these guys are also going to be vying for one of those spots too. So I think the most likely scenario is that SGA is sitting home for the All-Star break, unfortunately. I think we're looking at another year or two before we see an All-Star game. Um, I know we did a live stream earlier this earlier this uh, season discussing who would be an all-star first, and that's De'Aaron Fox or, or Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I actually said Shea, and I still believe that that's the case. I just think that OKC has to have some sort of improvement, um, and SGA has to continue putting up numbers. He's actually on a downtick from points uh, last year to this year. It's probably due to sample size more than anything else, but... He does have some big, big competition um, moving forward, so I'm going to go with a no on this question. Moving on to the second real or fake question, I'm going to go with, will the Bucks make it back to the NBA Finals? Now, I discussed this in a previous podcast at the beginning of the year. I actually mentioned that I believe that the Bucks were going to go back-to-back, and I still believe that fact. Um, the Bucks have not started off particularly well, but I'll double down on the fact that I believe in the Bucks as a core. Um, their team is very similar to what last year's team was. They're only losing P.J. Tucker as one of their focal players, and although he is a defensive stalwart for them, I don't foresee a scenario in which the Bucks are sitting in that 6-8 to eight seed the way that they have been at times throughout this season or even outside of the playoffs. And some of the talent in the East is a little bit thin. The Bulls and Wizards have turned out to be real contenders up to this point. Um, Depth tends to be very successful within the regular season and then actually a little less successful in the postseason. So we'll see how those teams fare in the postseason as they make their postseason push, um, as neither of them have in the past few years. But if they make it to the postseason, then we'll get to see if they're real contenders or not. Um, Whereas... The Nets, for example, are still playing without Kyrie Irving, and that doesn't look like it's going to change. The Sixers still don't have Ben Simmons, and that doesn't look like it will change, but we'll discuss that after. And then you have teams like Atlanta and teams like the Hornets that are still quite young and might have a difficult time uh, playing up to the talent that a team like the Bucks has. I think a core of Drew Holiday, of Giannis Antetokounmpo, and of Chris Middleton is as good as any in the league, and although they get slept on a lot of the time, it's going to be difficult to beat that team four times out of seven. And I'm sticking with that one. So I believe that the Bucs' difficult start is fake, but I believe that the Bucs making it back to the finals is the real deal. Now the next point somebody asked, the next question, sorry, somebody asked, was will Clay help or hinder the Warriors? Now, 
This is a multifaceted question because I believe that Clay will help the Warriors, but I don't believe that the Warriors' current tear is actually reminiscent of what the team will look like by the end of the season. Now, you may ask, where are you going with that? What does that mean? In this particular circumstance, I don't believe the Warriors, if they had equal competition to everybody else, would necessarily have the same record that they do. And I don't get me wrong, Steph Curry is playing at another worldly level. Jordan Poole is playing way better than anybody even could have foresaw, even as people were picking him as the expected MIP this year. Uh, I personally love Jordan Poole back in college. Um, I thought he, I had to defend him for a long time, um, defending him getting picked as high as he did, because I actually had him higher on my original big board at the time. Um, and it looked like a bad pick for a few years there. Now it's looking awfully great. But I don't foresee them continuing to play at the same level that they have, even when Clay comes back. Now, Clay opens up that offense in a way that few players do. Now, Clay, whether it's over uh, the span of a quarter, the span of a game, the span of a week, he can go on these hot tears that are otherworldly that some players can only dream of, of course. And I personally believe that Clay Thompson has the opportunity to come back in a limited fashion over a longer period of time due to the time of season it is. We weren't expecting him back originally until at least Christmas time anyways. So you can kind of edge him back into it a little bit here and there um, before you get him back playing at a full-time level. Now, Clay opens up the offense from the perimeter because at the moment, the Warriors, although they have been shooting particularly well, Clay Thompson is a better shooter than anybody on that team other than Steph Curry. And so by adding Clay Thompson, you now have an outside threat that's as good as anybody from the outside. And he can also run the rim just as well as any of the shooting guards that we, we often discuss, like Bradley Beal, for example. So I think Clay will actually help the Warriors, especially come playoff time. I think we may see a diminished record by the end of the regular season, but the Warriors overall will become a better team. So I'm going to say that will Clay help or hinder the Warriors? I'm going to go that they will help. Or that he will help. Now we're going to discuss Ben Simmons here. And so we had a few different people ask about Ben Simmons and his status. And what's the worst package that the that the uh, Sixers would take, sorry. Um, and so I actually just want to discuss the question of will Ben Simmons ever play for the Sixers again? And I think that this is a, a pretty easy answer. And that will be that um, it's a no. Ben Simmons will not play for the Sixers again. I think we've seen a few different points of hope from the Sixers side that may be unwarranted based on the current status of Ben Simmons' mental health, on Ben Simmons' physical health. Ben Simmons has come back and said multiple times he has no intention of coming back to the team. Uh, he's not ready or mentally fit to play for the team. And I don't think that the Sixers actually believe that he will be back again. Completely honestly, I don't believe that Daryl Morey actually thinks that Ben Simmons will play again. They're just trying to find a way to get him close enough to the court that they can at least shop him and get a better package for him, since they do have him under contract. If they can get him back on the court, even for practice, for example, um, then he could fetch a much heftier reward. But as far as the worst package, 
that the Sixers would take for Ben Simmons, Daryl Morey is showing his hand, and he's expecting a large reward. Now, I think that the worst they would take probably would be a package from the Trailblazers that would likely include C.J. McCollum and at least two to three first-round picks over the future. And I don't think that the, the Trailblazers are willing to make that deal to be honest. I think that they're going to wait to see where Dame comes uh, out of this slump. And I think that they have bigger questions, not a guard, but bigger questions at the forward positions again. The Trailblazers, time and time again, don't generally have a good wing, um, but they also don't have great play up front at the moment. Larry Nance has played really well as a small ball five, but they don't actually have a a good contributor from the actual five position, um, especially with Nurkic not particularly playing well to start the season. And I think that they'll have to address that more than they'll have to address a backcourt scenario. CJ McCollum has played really well. Dame has not, but that will come in time, of course, as shooting gets better. He just had a great game last night, actually, over 30 points. He had, uh, I believe, six three-pointers in that game. So uh, that will come in time. So I don't believe that Ben Simmons will play for the Sixers again. And I think that Philly will eventually take some sort of deal prior to the playoffs uh, just to ensure that they have all their assets that they can playing in the games. Um, But I don't see him playing for the Sixers again. So the final real or fake question of the week from a fan is, is Jalen Suggs a bust? Now, I wanted to talk about this topic because we often talk about Jalen Suggs in in the weekly rookie report. And there's a reason for that. And that's because Jalen Suggs is one of the best players in this draft. Um, And this stands. Even though he's had a really difficult start to the season, he's shot well below his college averages, of course. And he's had plenty of playing time for a Magic team that's sitting in the dumpster of the the standings at the moment. Now, Jalen Suggs is a terrific player. And he was in college, he was in high school, and he still is now, of course. Um, It's just going to take him some time. After 15 games, I don't think we should be looking to push him into the G League just yet, of course. Um, Jalen Suggs' top shot moment, for example, is sitting at just above 130, uh, 135 or so, um, which is in the same territory as Josh Giddy, for example, who I think is slightly below in terms of talent-wise where Suggs is expected to be, of course. Um, and there's a reason that Jalen Suggs was an anticipated fourth overall pick. Um, at one point, he was actually the second best player, second most highly rated player um, within the within the draft. Um, I was a big Evan Mobley guy, personally, um, to begin with. But as far as Suggs is concerned, this is a guy that's a mature basketball player at a really young age. Um, he was never a particularly great jump shooter from the three-point line, shooting just over 35% in college. But if his percentages, for example... Um, were similar to that of his college career, we'd be looking at a line of 14, 4, and 4 with one and a half steals and a half a block a game. Now, if you were to tell me that a rookie guard would be averaging 14, 4, and 4 in his first season, I would say that that's a spectacular performance, even for a fourth or fifth overall pick. Um, And I think that we all know now, based on the amount of data and the amount of examples that we have, the point guards and shooting guards take much longer time to develop in the NBA. Um, there's a size differential between veteran guards and rookie guards that doesn't just change overnight. And the same happens with centers and the same happens with, with wings. But in terms of point guards, you have to think in the sense of how the game is played, for example. So having a backcourt mate in Cole Anthony is great because Cole Anthony is an astute basketball mind already 
And not only that, but he's a great athlete and he's a great shooter up to this point, even in volume, of course. But over time, Suggs will be able to learn and grow into the position that he's supposed to be in. So, of course, a forward or a wing is going to have a, a terrific season um, to start for, as a rookie, especially if they're bigger. Guys like Evan Mobley, for example, can still put eight on. But someone like Scotty Barnes, for example, is already very filled out, even at a super, super young age. So in terms of the athleticism, he shows you the raw athleticism and the size. And that's something that Suggs will not necessarily ever have. He's not a particularly large guard. But what he is, is a clutch shooter. He's an unconscious scorer. And he's also somebody that can pass the ball surprisingly. Um, something that Suggs does that you don't see in a lot of rookie guards is his ability to snake a pick and roll incredibly well. Um, it's a la Chris Paul. There's many veteran guards that still don't do it as effectively as a guy like Suggs can. So if you don't know what snaking a pick and roll is, for example, um, it's essentially when the guard in a pick and roll um, stance is provided a pick by a big and then after the pick, rather than going around towards the basket, the guard would actually um, stop up and go directly behind where the big is and actually switch hands. So if you were given a pick from your particular right side, you would actually switch to your left hand and then drive with to the left. Um, now, this is something, like I said, that veteran guards sometimes never grow into being comfortable with. And this is something that Suggs has always been comfortable with. Um, looking back at college, he was he was snaking pick and rolls uh, very early. But there's also some plays that he has a low shot IQ um, in the NBA game. And that's likely because of the size differential. Um, so essentially, the moral of the story is give Suggs some time. It may take even a full season or two seasons to really see his potential being shown but we even saw the other day that he can have an an efficient game and show a really great scoring touch as well as the ability to rebound and pass the ball and play some hard-nosed defense that other guys in a similar archetype of guard can play for example like a Fred Van Vliet or like a Malcolm Brogdon that can play a good passing game a good defensive game and a good analytical game Um, it'll just take some time to grow into his shooting grow into his size um, and evolve as a basketball player. And that will be something that will take time. Um, so give him some time. And then uh, and then your Jalen Suggs rookie moment will likely, likely go up in price. Now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is what I'm going to call What I Bought Today. And now I wanted to discuss something that we often do not talk about within the cryptocurrency and NFT space, and that is the environmental impact that cryptocurrency has. And now before everybody turns this off, this is actually a positive that I wanted to discuss today. And that's a DAO that I just bought into called Klima. Uh, It's spelled K-L-I-M-A, and it utilizes the Polygon network, which is formerly known as Matic. And the reason I wanted to bring it up today is because the environmental impact of cryptocurrency is something that we have to deal with every day. And this particular DAO is actually focused on the environmental impacts of Fortune 500 and large companies that utilize carbon credits. If you don't know, there's global carbon credits provided to companies that allow companies to utilize up to the maximum amount of carbon prior to a fine or a sanction that will be provided to them if they use more than that carbon. Now, a loophole within that system is that companies can actually buy and sell these carbon credits. And as a result, some companies can act as if they're uh, carbon neutral when they're actually not. So this DAO was actually 
created with that in mind. And so this particular DAO purchases carbon credits with the purpose of holding in their treasury these carbon credits to this day over 11 million tons of carbon credits um, to be able to drive up the global scarcity. And this will push for tangible and social uh, environmental change. Now, it does also provide a staking mechanism. Um, recently, if you look at the moment, it has an over 8% five-day return on investment, um, and it's actually at a 40,000 APY. So it is something to ensure that you're doing your own research in, of course. Um, but it did come into the news this week, as Mark Cuban noted, that the Klimadao is one of three primary environmental crypto investments that he actually places $50,000 into every 10 days or so. Um, and this has sparked an enormous change um, in price for, for the DAO. Um, it's gone over 50% in the last few days. And if you want to have the opportunity to fund a DAO with the environment placed as its focal point, then this is a really great opportunity. So I just wanted to talk about that today as well. I bought in, um, and I think that if you're like me and you want to see great environmental change, then I think this is a great way to, to do your part. So we're going to move on to our final section of the day, and that's the best lowest ask. My best lowest ask is Desmond Bain 4000 Series 2 rookie moment that he has. Now, it's just one of two Desmond Bain rookies um, that, were, that were created in Series 2, uh, but Desmond Bain has been off to a tear to begin this year. He's averaging over, 15 point, over 14 points a game, sorry, uh, five rebounds, um, and he's played really, really great defense to this point. He can guard bigger guards and bigger wings. Um, and a fun little stat for him is that he's actually shooting 91% from the free throw line, which is incredibly good for a, a guy of his size. Um, and Desmond Bain has become one of the focal points of that offense. And that's just something that is completely uncomprehensible a year ago. And at its current price, Desmond Bain, rookie, is just a terrific deal. So that is my best lowest ask for the week. And that wraps up today's show. So whether you're a clone, whether you're a ballers, whether you're a top shotter, you're always family here when you buy in at the lowest ask. Cheers.